0: I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You're listening to The Wanna Be Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 117. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Danielle Bettman, a Positive Discipline Certified Coach and podcast host herself. We're chatting about how we can parent strong-willed children without losing our sanity. Danielle and I had a lovely conversation talking about minimalism, too, and you really don't want to miss the story of her journey. She is pretty amazing. Well, hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. By the time this show airs, we will be in the full swing of September. It is past Labor Day, school is back in session. So, those of you with strong willed children, well, you're going to really appreciate today's discussion. But before we get there, I want to say thank you for joining me. If you are returning, I am so happy you're back. And if you're new, well, welcome. I am honored that you choose to spend some of your time with me and I do my best to bring you interesting information that can help you both in your home and in your life. In your home, you might want to be decluttering, organizing, and then creating those systems to be able to do more of what you love and less of the stuff you tolerate. Or in your life, you might be listening to the show because I bring on expert guests to help you, uh, like today with your relationships. And if there's a topic that you're interested in learning more about, please, will you let me know? Just send me a DM on Instagram. I want to be clutter free over there, or you can email me. I'll make sure that my email is in the show notes, or you can do like Jenna Corwin did, and you can leave me a review with a suggestion. And here is what Jenna wrote, quote, I love this podcast. Her voice is so uplifting. I love the episode about a capsule wardrobe and minimizing with great makeup brands could be a cool episode idea end quote. Well, Jenna, I am happy to report that we have actually found a makeup expert. And so I will be interviewing her in the next few weeks. So keep an eye out for when that interview will come up. So make sure you go ahead and subscribe and then you'll be notified so you won't miss it. Now, it goes to show you that I do really read and listen to all of these reviews and comments. This show is for you and I just want to be the best resource for you that I can be please keep those reviews and suggestions coming and um, I will do my best to incorporate them whenever I can. And with that, let's get back to today's guest episode. I was thrilled to speak with Danielle about her approach to raising children and her journey toward minimalism. I don't always get a chance to chat with people about minimalism and another idea um, or another area of expertise. So we geek out on it for a little bit. Uh, Stick with us as we uh, go through it. She and I had a really fun conversation. And Danielle Bettman is a positive discipline certified coach for parents of strong-willed kids between the ages of one and seven, and the host of the Failing Motherhood podcast. She guides parents to cultivate cooperation, extend their patience, and get on the same page through one-on-one and group coaching. A teacher by trade and a mentor by strengths, her passion is to be a translator between adult and child, helping parents crack the code of their child's personality, find more sanity and strategies, and be kind and firm at the same time. It is all good stuff, and we get into some really good tactics today, too, that will not only help you with your children. I mean, if you have them, if you don't have children, that is great, too, because what we talk about is going to help the other relationships in your life, too. Maybe with your partner, uh, your friends, PTA parents, you name it. Okay. So give this episode a listen. And when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 117 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Danielle's website, her podcast, and the free guides and resources she offers. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 117. And now let's get to our conversation. Well, hi, Danielle. Welcome to the Wannabe Minimalist Show. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you so much. I'm doing well. Great. Well, I am very excited to talk about today's topic, so let's go ahead and just jump on in. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what led you to your journey of becoming a parent coach?
1: Yeah. So I'm a mom of two girls. They're 15 months apart, which I don't professionally recommend, but here we are. (laughs) Uh, I've been married to my husband for 13 years. We've been together over 20. Uh, We are high school sweethearts. And we live here in the middle of the Midwest in Omaha, Nebraska, and my degree is in education. So I have a teaching certification from birth through third grade, and I was working in classrooms and then home visiting up until I became a parent myself. And that's when I realized, how did parents listen to a word I had to say before I became a parent? (laughs) I know I'm probably preaching to the choir to the other parents out here listening, but it's just a whole nother world. And I end up having a lot of clients that are even in the education field or even therapists themselves because your own parent-child relationship is so much more complex. There are so many more layers. It's like a cocktail of variables and you don't know what you're doing. And it just feels like a lot every single day. So when I started having conversations with friends, realizing I had a leg up like I had a degree in child development let alone I was having a hard time with my second daughter in particular she my first was pretty easygoing not a lot of emotions did what she was told didn't rock the boat my second however was a whole nother story where there is no changing her mind. Hurry up means nothing. Uh, such big emotions that I was not prepared for, which brought out a temper I didn't know I had. And I started doing a lot more research into actual like parenting approaches. I did not follow all the Instagram accounts. I did not know all of the terminology. I just did what I knew worked with the kids that I had worked with before and what I knew to be you know, following their brain development and things like that. And that's when I found positive discipline, and I realized that there was a whole wealth of understanding that when parents have, they can just feel so much better about how they're doing and what they're doing, and be able to enjoy their kids a little bit better than they did before and um and feel like they're on some sort of track to creating a good human being at the end result without throwing spaghetti at a wall and, <laughs> and crossing their fingers hoping for the for the best so I started my company three years ago. And it was in-home consultations locally, um, just working one-on-one with families to get them um, some individualized solutions. And then with the pandemic, thank you, COVID, I turned virtual and started my podcast as well called Failing Motherhood. And now I'm working with families all over the place, and I love what I do. Oh, that's awesome!
0: Well, a couple things. First off, I love that you're like I don't professionally recommend it, <laughs> but that is what life like that's what life throws us. I love it. Yep. so good. Roll with the punches. Um, second, yes, we are you know raising human beings, right? They're not. I just yeah, so good. I. <laughs> I hear you on that so much. And then way to turn a negative into a positive and be able to reach so many more people than just those in your local area. So yeah. on the flip side, yes, we all have our gripes with COVID, but some things <laughs> are definitely, we did get a few positives out of them. So yes, I'm happy we are all you best friends today with chatting with me because of it. So yes, that works same. out. It's fate. <laughs> 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 so one thing you kind of talked about there a little bit or alluded to a little bit, was family dynamics, right? Mm -hmm. And how they're such a huge part of parenting. So first off, I'm sure your answer is going to be yes, but do you think it's important that we get on the same page as our spouse? What if they're totally different than us? So we grew up reading different books. Mm -hmm. So how do we do that? How do we kind of come to a meeting of minds if we were raised super differently and have different parenting styles?
1: Yes, you're not alone. That is such a huge dynamic right now. And that was one of the first things I picked up on when I started working with families one on one, because I knew that was true at my house. But I didn't realize that everyone else is parent parenting with someone that they did not grow up with, which meant that they were raised with totally different approaches, we should different not. relationships. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Different conditioning, and that is expected, so what do we do with that when like you read how to expect when you're expecting, but you did not prepare for whatever this new toddler phase is where like everything is no and screaming, and you're you know feels like a there's a wedge of divide making that gap even wider um because usually one parent is a little more firm, one parent is a little more kind. You know, one's really trying to in tune with the emotions. One's more worried about like, you know, creating a monster down the road. And so then you become good cop and bad cop, or you're just, you know, using these uh, conflicts against each other because you feel like you don't have each other's back. And that's so common. So what what I typically recommend is to start just by reflecting on your own childhoods. And not, you know, not that you need to go into depths of counseling and therapy with your spouse to dive into all of the do's and don'ts uh, that your parents did. But just even comparing and contrasting uh, on a superficial level, uh, what, you know, discipline was in the home that you grew up with, what conflict felt like, what the culture of your home was kind of like, you know, tension wise, um, how your relationship is with your parent now and why you feel like it's that way, good or bad. Um, then you can kind of start to think about, well, what is our end goal for our kids, for the child that's in front of us? What's our end goal? What's going to have mattered 20 years from now? And what is parenting them all really for? Yeah. That's when you're going to really start to realize how much you have in common, because a lot of those answers are going to be aligned. There's a reason why you're parenting together in the first place. And that's what reminds you of that is, oh yeah, these are some of the values that are really important to us. These are some of the experiences we really want them to have. This is the kind of person we want them to be, or the, you know, things that we want to be true of their life. Then you have to dial it back to how do we get there? What is the trajectory to those end goals? And is there, has there been research and typical approaches or things that really do make a difference in creating that in? our child? And what do we feel like they need that's really specific to their personality trait or the way that they think or the experiences that they're really drawn to? And how do we individualize that? Being able to problem solve that together is going to help you come to new conclusions. Instead of just like A versus B, it's like, oh, it's C. We have to come up with C. Neither one of us are an expert in C. So we need to find probably some resources that help us both learn how to do C because uh, the dynamic we are having right now is not working where I try to shove A down your throat and then you reject it and just do B anyway behind my back and and it just virals from there and then kids are very confused. So uh, very, very common, but definitely things that you can do. And I definitely recommend working with a solution-oriented professional like me just to be able to take that dynamic out of the equation of like the ex- expert and the one feeling criticized and be able to learn the same things at the same time using shared language and finding a whole new foundation.
0: Yeah, it's great. because. Sometimes we can't even see our own stuff, right? Well, most yeah. of the time we can't see our own stuff, and so we always, not always, I'm getting very absolutist here. <laughs> um, but there's oftentimes where we see. Then it's so easy to see things in other people, and you know, I get the same way, both positive and negative, right? It's so easy to see positive qualities in other people, and sometimes it's really hard to see those positive qualities in yourself. And mm-hmm. same with negative, easier to see negative in other people, harder to do that self reflection. So. Yes, having that third party, I can imagine, is very helpful when you're having these issues because they can help open your eyes to what you're not able to see in yourself. So, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it reminds me when we were naming our daughter when, we, when <laughs> she was born, she was a little bit early and we had a boy's name all picked out, but girls' names, no, we were just not on the same page. And he <laughs> had one name he really liked, and I had one name I really liked, and we never, could meet on it. And so we ended up having a third name thrown out, which worked out really well that we both really liked. And so, yeah, good example. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Well, it's just an easy thing for us to go back to like, remember how we couldn't settle on names? Let's come mm-hmm. up with a third solution. So yep. I like how you laid that out. That was really awesome. Um, okay. Another thing let's talk about, you were talking about your second child yes. um, being very strong-willed. And so I want to talk about that a little bit, Um But before we go there, let's talk about decluttering and minimalism because that's really what my show is mostly about, and we Mm -hmm. talk about a lot of different topics and, and so, because I think it's all intertwined, right? I mean, I think minimalism is living intentionally and, and so all of these different aspects of our life kind of combined together, but can you tell me a little bit about your journey? Because you have a very interesting journey um, that you had shared with me and it's about your journey into minimalism. So tell me a little bit about it because it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. So I had, you know, the dream, the white picket fence, the home and the two kids and the marriage and all the things. And, you know, life was swell. My husband worked at, you know, a nice corporate job that took care of us. I was teaching part time. Um, It was, it was great. They were two in one. I still, you know, it's a blur, but (laughs) we were doing the things. And then uh, we slowly realized that my husband was really struggling with his alcohol use. And it had always been fine, but it was just really starting to pick up in ways that I had not realized until you shared with me um, how much it was and, and how often it was. And we started going to counseling. It didn't help a whole lot and it kept spiraling. So eventually, I found Al-Anon, the support group for families of alcoholics, and went there for about a year. And that really helped me learn how to be a grown up. honestly. Like... <laughs> Learn how to just realize what is my responsibility? How can I take care of myself? What uh, what does healthy boundaries look like? All of those things. So I was doing that while he was continuing to really get in a, a negative place. And I realized that we were going to need, um, like, not only was all of our savings going to vodka, but I was very concerned for his health and well-being and uh, eventually the safety of our kids if he was driving them or you know watching them or anything like that. Eventually got to the place where I realized he needed to go to inpatient rehab for a month. And the only way that we could really afford that because it would take our whole insurance deductible was to uh, sell our house. And so I made the decision, kind of the executive decision to put our house up on the market and find a lease for an apartment I moved out with my daughters into the apartment while he had to make the decision himself that he needed help, and obviously that like, we could spend an hour talking about all of the logistics of that that decision and our relationship and you know his recovery and all of that. But what that ensued then was moving from this two and a half story. 1905 house that I loved to a two bedroom apartment with kids and everything in tow. We no longer were going to have a garage, we no longer were going to have a backyard, we no longer were going to have a basement. Um they were going to have to share a room, right? It was a downsize of epic proportions. And uh just to to sum sum it up, he did in the next month or two find help. He moved back in with us when he got back and he's been sober ever since. And so we're super grateful for that end to the story, um, but what happened was I had about a month of closing to go through all of our stuff and find what we I was going to take with us to the apartment, what we could sell, and what needed to be donated. And I had for about six months known that this was approaching, so I had started, you know, getting the house ready for sale type, you know, a look and um, and being able to go through stuff slowly, room by room. And I had already been a semi, you know, not I wouldn't even say I was a minimalist at that point, but I was, I loved the idea. Right. (laughs) So as I was going through stuff slowly, we got the house sold and then it was like a sprint to the finish because everything had to be out and we had to be fully moved into the apartment. And he did begrudgingly help me a little bit you know but our relationship was obviously strained and we didn't have family in town mm-hmm. uh we did not hire a moving company that was I regret that definitely we mm-hmm. <laughs> always hire the moving company but um so eventually all of the big stuff had to go that was kid stuff all of the anything that was extra i was a classroom teacher so of course i have the teacher hoarding tendency of all the craft supplies, all the books, right? Like anything that could be all educational. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> so there was no place for that to go. Uh, we had taken a couple boxes of like sentimental things back to our parents' houses, but they lived three and five hours away. It was not an option to just, you know, use them as a storage unit. And I had the option of getting kind of a garage or a storage unit in the meantime, because of course, I didn't know how long it would be that we didn't have a garage or that we would live at this apartment. But I just really was adamant about, like, I don't want to pay for that just to store stuff that we clearly won't be using, so therefore don't need.
2: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above,
3: Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. So I refused. Like I refused to put in that
1: monthly line item just to store more stuff. So I got rid of so much. And by the time we got to the apartment in that first month, I had a friend come over And we hung up everything we could to make it feel super homey because obviously it was a hard time in my life. So I wanted the space to reflect like the happiness in our home that we were wanting to cultivate and the time together that my daughters and I would be having. And so we decorated it really cute. I spent the whole month just like unpacking and getting everything situated so we didn't have to feel like it was as claustrophobic as it probably could have felt. And um, and I was really happy with how it felt and how it looked, and we quickly realized that we didn't need any of that stuff that we got rid of, and it it felt amazing. We had this tiny little round kitchen table. We had this little sectional I found off um, Craigslist that was an IKEA, you know, couch. Um, they had a little bunk bed from IKEA that we got and fit in their room. We um, were big fans of IKEA at that point. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I still am. Yeah, why not? and uh, it just looked super cute. So we ended up living there for three years, and the only thing that we truly missed was our own outdoor space, like a deck. You know, we had a small deck, but it wasn't um, in the sun, and I thrive in the sun. I need the sun. (laughs) So having that with with two kids, obviously in a a small corridor, and then hitting uh, COVID where they were in kindergarten and first grade at that point still, and then having to um, start my business and work from home and then start to homeschool them virtually we quickly realized okay this is no longer sustainable and at that point we did find a, a rental house that summer of 2020 but up until then it really truly i helped i realized that like we only need a really small amount of stuff and we can make the most of managing it and you know cleaning that apartment took like an hour Oh, that
0: part, I know. I love that part, right? The cleaning, yes. the less cleaning with the less stuff. I preach it all the time, and I don't know that people really believe me when I say it. So it's nice to hear it from someone else too. <laughs> I agree. Well, like I said, I mean, it is a fascinating story. It is, it's real life. It's a roller coaster, mm-hmm. and I just appreciate you being so honest and open, um, and just kind of sharing your journey toward. Um, you know, a better life for you and your family. And thank goodness your, um, you know, your spouse came along. Um, So that could be a happier ending, but I know you would have been fine um, because you are a very strong person. I mean, to go through (laughs) all of that is amazing. So, um, so thank you very much for sharing that. Of course. Um, So now that you've moved into a larger home, maybe, and it might not even be that much larger, but just maybe Mm -hmm. with more outdoor space, which is actually Mm -hmm. what we did too. um, How's it going with less stuff? Do you still have less stuff?
1: Yes, we still have less stuff, which has come more by just the the budget never really getting to the place yeah. where we're ready to make more investment type purchases it's always been that the the money is prioritized for something else and so we at this house that we got is big like genuinely It's bigger than we need. And the landlord was renovating it as we were going through it. And he was trying to be like, okay, well, this is what the finishes will look like. And this is what we were just like, I don't even care. Just the square footage alone. We are sold. We're ready to move in. Don't you don't even need to finish it. Like... (laughs)
0: Dance parties in the living room.
1: (laughs) Yes. So there is like a front room that Um, we only have uh, my daughter's piano, her little keyboard in. mm -hmm. And there's a fireplace. The rest of it's furniture free. So it's a hard floor room for dance parties and running around in socks. I love it. (laughs) And and Legos. It's half taken over by Legos. And then there's the true living room that's, you know, carpeted and just the couch and the the TV. And then there's like this office that uh, the... Owners at some point of this house created for their wife who was an artist. So like mm. it has these like cool built-ins and a lot of mm. windows and like a vent for like the paint fumes or something. So that is like kind of our playroom slash our pets have taken it over. We have two bunnies. Oh <laughs> and they kind of free roam and hang out in there and it's just really a really cool space that we would have never, you know, found and, and it's great because they just have a little art table in there and then some of the, the bunny stuff. And then we have the basement and the basement is again, furniture free (laughs) where they can go down with balls and be crazy and, uh, you know, get the uh, large motor. I have some gymnastics mats and that's all they have in there. And, um, and it's great. So of course there's so much potential that every once in a while I'm like, Oh, it'd be so great if, you know, we could get this cute little article set, you know, just throw out some couple thousand dollars and, you know, know, decorate things really mid-century modern. That's kind of the style of the home. And so, of course, I I always get, you know, thinking about the things we could do, but we are paying for um, Montessori tuition for our daughters and that's our big priority right now. And then we've gone on a couple trips. And so we just, there's been no real reason to continue to replace the things that we, obviously we've gotten like a mower again and a grill
0: Um,
1: but other than that yeah it's really like we have still the amount of stuff we had in the apartment which is fantastic yeah
0: Well, and I think that's so great. So, you know, I live in San Diego, so we get to be outside year round and don't have to worry about really bad weather. But, you know, with you being in the Midwest, you know, how mm-hmm. nice is that in the winter when maybe there is a big snowstorm or something that comes through, you're like, oh, just we can go downstairs and play and still run yes. around and get all that exercise and activity and not have to be outside if it's really bad. I mean, I yes. still think it's fun to go out in the snow, but again, I live in San Diego. But <laughs> yeah, I have we do where it's cold, so
1: we do actually back to like a little park, like a, on, a, in our backyard, has oh, kind of a covered insane. deck. So it's it's the dream. Like we're, of, oh. I don't know if we'll ever own again. Now that we're renting, it's mm-hmm. like a whole thing. Plus, with the market, it's a free for all. So okay, there's the that piece of it. Yeah, we are. But too. we're renting. It's house. worth the rent right now. We're yeah. we're just year by year, May, it's yeah. working for us. So <laughs> I mean, my gosh,
0: you say it's crazy there. You should see my neighborhood. It is oh, I can't imagine. Insane. Insane yeah. to buy a house. I'm like, I can't even, I can't even go there. All right. Nope. We are getting way off topic. You guys, Danielle <laughs> and I are having a lot of fun chatting. You can tell we should be like real life friends. Yes. And so maybe you know, after this, <laughs> she and I, get, can at some point meet up because we have family close by. So this should be a lot of fun. Yeah. We're definitely gonna make that happen in the future. (laughs) Let's get back to our conversation and, um, back to parenting because that's what your, um, expertise is in. And I just really love that you kind of shared that story and how we're talking about kids. So let's talk about toys because Mm. that is one thing that people ask me about all the time. And, you know, I agree that I don't think children need a ton of toys. I'm sure our toy collection has started to grow a little bit. Um, but that's okay. It's a work in progress. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, but what advice or tips would you have for your clients when it comes to the types of toys that you recommend they have maybe even amount of toys or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Do you have any recommendations there?
1: Yeah, of course, you know, the overall platitudes of less is more, you know, because, Kids, when they have more choices, can let, play a lot less deep. Mm-hmm. It's like having every task that you could ever need to do for work out on your table or up as a tab. It's just too much. There's too many choices. So, the less options they have, the more they can go deeper and more sustained play that's open ended. So, less is more, of course, for all ages, all toys across the board, even if you feel like they're missing. Educational components that are like the necessary things that every kid needs—they will live without a shape sorter, I promise you. <laughs> Wait, they'll live without a what? Was that shape sorter?
0: You know, oh, like the little classic oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: little baby ones where, the, yeah, yeah, fit yeah, yeah, the yeah, thing in the it. thing. Yep, yeah, yeah, they'll be okay. They'll learn <laughs> it anyway. <laughs> and so, there's obviously a, another component of like quality over quantity because their qu- quality does play a big role in the difference of toys. You know, like there's really, really. Dollar store level, you know, gimmicky toys from birthday parties, and then there's you know the wooden toys that last you through three or four kids, and so you make the choice of investing in the pieces that you do want to stay as more of a staple, like maybe a little kitchen set or you know mini trampoline or things like that. But for the most part, uh, there you're going to filter through a lot of seasons of mm-hmm. kind of short term phases of they're going to be into this for a couple months and then not again for a while. And so knowing how to kind of balance out that, what to invest in and what to kind of just say, this is good enough for now, or I'm getting it secondhand. I got so much secondhand that I could feel like I could offer that opportunity and then not feel bad getting rid of it when the opportunity or the interest waned. So (laughs) That's There's a big part of um, of also the toy itself, the more a toy does, the less they learn, as in the less it requires for, out of them to engage their brain mm. in doing something with the toy. So the more entertaining the toy is, which there was always a time and a place for just entertainment value type toys. But overall, the more the toy does, the less they learn. The more open-ended the toy, if it just sits on the floor until they engage with it, the more than it requires of them to be able to use different parts of their brain to actually engage with and learn from the use of that toy. So that's why things like dress-up clothes, you know, play food, um, magnetiles, things that are much more open-ended, I recommend over the things that are very specific and only have kind of one use of how you can engage with that toy. Um, because then it's much more short lived in their creativity, and it's going to kind of confine them more to a box. And if they just kind of push a button and it does everything for them, then that's going to be less, you know, value over time as well.
0: I like how you put that because it's kind of the the reverse of what you hear a lot. Like you always mm-hmm. hear, do the open ended toys, it'll make them, you know, think more. But looking at it from that flip side too, of like the more the toy does, the less they learn. Uh, I think that's going to hit uh, home with a lot of people because I you hear the other all the time, but it is really nice to think of it the other way. So mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for putting that out. That's kind of a mm-hmm. good little one to have in the back of your mind, because I do think it's easy in the moment to gravitate toward those toys because they're exciting. The marketing they're is great. Interesting. Oh my gosh. Marketing is <laughs> always great. But yes, if you can think that before you purchase that toy of like, okay, does, how much does this do? Well, then each extra little feature or a thing that it does you know kind of just take a notch off of like the learning that they'll get mm-hmm. like it's a really good mm-hmm. way to look at it when you're at the store and there, there's always
1: a, ba- a balance you know like my kids get the birthday presents that are just you know the little toy that like you feed it and then it poops and then it comes on a little you know thing that they walk and then it's those. like the, so yeah, specific a lot she really yeah.
0: wanted it i think she played <laughs> yeah. with it for maybe three hours tops tops
1: yep. yeah oh yeah we had that uh-huh I know. But the, and then you, you know, given that, if that's the thing they're asking for, and then you also have grandma get it. them the thing <laughs> that you're like, this is what you're really actually going to play with for the next couple of months. <laughs> Isn't
0: that crazy. I mean, yeah. we knew too, like we knew going in, I was like, you were knocking with this toy. I cannot tell you yeah. how many times I had her prioritize her list. Like, mm. okay, so let's make a birthday list. What do you really want? You know? And then we mm-hmm we'd look at it. And then like a couple weeks later, I'd come back and be like, okay, so your birthday's coming up. Let's take a look at this. Cause we're trying to be really intentional. Yes. Let's take a look at the list and okay. What's still in there. Are these the things you still really want? Okay. Well, why don't we put them in order? Because there's a lot of things on these lists. And so you're probably not going to get everything that's on here. You can try to set mm-hmm. the expectation. You're not going to get everything you ask for. So let's put them in order. That darn poops a lot. Dog ended <laughs> up on the top of that list. For a few weeks running, so she got the stupid thing and then played with it for literally three hours tops. Yeah, over the course of the month, we owned it. Yep, it's so annoying. Obviously, you (laughs) can tell I'm really annoyed by that toy. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) See, it happens to the best of us, and we do our best. Yes, yeah, I did my best. I knew she wasn't going to want it, but she really wanted that darn thing. So, yep, Yep. (sighs) yeah. Now she has an allowance. She's a little bit older now, so now she gets an allowance, and if that's the toy she really wants then,
1: you know, and you I know she's money. not going to play mm-hmm. with it. Then it
0: can go on the list of like, well, you can spend your own money on
1: it. And it and bothers you so much less when it just sits there Then
0: so much less yeah. because it's her lesson to learn Then yes. instead of she just got it and she didn't want it.
1: Yeah. So yeah,
0: we're working on solutions for those things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better as they get older. Cause then they'll take
1: more responsibility.
0: Right? Yes. exactly. Your mind's nine now. So it's definitely getting better. Um, she's really into Lego. She definitely goes through the phases Mm -hmm. of like crafty stuff, then like building with Legos, then puzzles, then games. Like she definitely cycles through. So yeah. All right. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's transition back into parenting. (laughs) So I've had a few guests on recently on the show talking about parenting, but none have really specifically addressed the strong willed child. So let's get Mm -hmm. back to that because that's kind of where we started. So talk to me a little bit about that. So how would you describe strong willed and what should we be looking for?
1: Yeah, the phrase or quote that uh, helped me discover this was my child was from the book, um, How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen where it said, the harder you work to convince them it's not that bad, the harder they'll work to convince you how bad it is. And I was like, that resonates at such oh. a deep level for what I'm experiencing with my daughter right now. There must be something to this. And that's when I realized just how different my two kids were, where, you know, my, my oldest, it's just a little bit more by the book. Her emotions can ebb and flow at a very, you know, neutral level. And my second is zero to 60. Everything is felt at a very deep, visceral level. And it is a very big deal. And if you do not meet her there and validate that it is a very big deal, then she has no choice but to escalate because she feels misunderstood. And she has a very Strong sense of justice and fairness, and you know, her way that things should go. And when things don't go her way, we'll hear about it. <laughs> and there is very little to change her mind in the moment that uh, is logic or reasoning, or that is, you know, a threat or a bribe or a punishment or a reward. It doesn't register, it does not make the difference in that moment to actually change her behavior in any way because she sees it one way and that's it and so that's very hard to deal with when you're just trying to get her shoes on and you know the explanation and the lecture and hurry up and all of it means nothing to her like you're not even saying anything it's very aggravating as a parent (laughs) Like this should not be that difficult (laughs) but she's so smart so perceptive, so observant. Uh, she just feels things at such a, a deep level that the highs are high and the lows are low. Mm. And you ride that roller coaster too. If you don't know exactly how to navigate those moments as a parent, they just give you whiplash and mm. and like she's just not accepting the status quo. Like if I just say, Oh, this is you know, the because I said so type approach, nope. I have my mm. own ideas. Um, and so it's very much going to be a battle of my way versus your way. And, you know, power struggle is going to ensue about every little thing that I have to ask you to do if we're not on the same page. And if I'm not, you know, really understanding how she sees it and kind of like her perception of the world.
0: Okay. So how can we then help our strong-willed children and also keep our sanity? Because obviously (laughs) you can't give in to everything that they want. Right. And you need them to do certain things. So what do you do in that moment where she won't put her shoes on? And you're like, but we've got to go out the door. Like we have somewhere to be. We have an appointment. We have, you know, whatever you have to get to school. Yes. What's going on?
1: Yes. So that, I mean, that's the whole question. That's what I do in a nutshell is like, that's what I help parents with because so often you swing a pendulum between trying to be really, really nice and, you know, gentle and ask a million times and, you know, be Mary Poppins And then you snap after the 10th time. And then now you're threatening to throw all the toys away and, you know, ground them from screen time for three months and then immediately regretting that. Right. Yeah. And there's like no happy medium in between and then when you have patience then you know your partner's the one you know threatening all the things. So that's so common and so many parents come to me in that in that cycle of like I'm threatening and then I'm bribing and then I'm threatening and then I'm bribing and then I'm losing my temper and then I regret it and I'm guilty at the end of the night and I don't know how to just get them to do what I need them to do. Like why mm-hmm. is this so hard? So that that listening is like a huge trigger because it feels like to us we're supposed to have some level of control of like, you know, we do the things and then they do the things. But that's just not the way that this relationship is going to be navigated for anyone's sanity. But you don't have to feel like you're being permissive. So positive discipline, that's what I'm certified in. It really reinforces being kind and firm at the same time, which is a very hard balancing act. It's like a tightrope to walk as a parent. And once you have the scripts and kind of like the understanding of that vocabulary, it translates to every other relationship. Like you can be kind and firm with your boss and kind and firm with your spouse and, you know, be able to navigate conflict with a lot more confidence once you kind of figure out all of these things that we never learned. Nobody taught us these things, right? Mm. So like as a parent, feel no guilt for not having figured this out yet. No one has taught you. So it's okay. So the the kind and firm approach is huge just in knowing kind of what to say and how to say it so that you don't feel like you your back is against the wall. That, feel, that point of helplessness as a parent, when you genuinely feel like what I'm doing isn't working and I have no other tools at my disposal, I don't know what to do. That's when you reach the most desperate tools that you told yourself you'd never do or say the things that you never want to say to your child. It's that feeling of helplessness that takes over. And I work to eliminate that from being your kind of go-to reaction because now you have so many more tools and so much more understanding. But, you know, getting back to what do you do differently? Like, how do you have sanity with these kids? There's two big game changers. One of them is um, giving them more opportunities to use their voice, to be their own boss and to be in control. In really healthy ways that uh, you can just leverage for good, in all of these like proactive preventative moments, like just giving them more understanding of what's predictable throughout their day, and giving them just a lot more choice in not only you know what they wear or what they play, but even you know to a deeper level of um, how do how are we going to solve this problem? What are we going to do? You know, like giving them just a lot more agency, giving them their own calendar giving them um, these like power reversal game moments, that's what's going to really fill their cup because their currency is control. When they don't feel like they have control, they're going to lash out for it in all of these moments that feel like a lose-lose to you, that feels like it threatens your authority. But if you fill their cup with a whole bunch of control outside of that moment, they're going to be a lot more fine with getting their shoes on in that moment that you really kind of need to play that control card. So that's one aspect that I work with my clients to build in these new um, habit forming routines that just put their kids at a much higher level of functioning so that they're not kind of just having all these sideways behaviors that are only there for attention or for control. And once we eliminate those, then we can bond a lot more in our relationship and kind of help with the the connecting of what's actually going on for them and how does that work? And that's the, the second game changer is this like collaborative problem solving approach. So instead of it just being like, I tell you what to do and you say, your I say jump and you say how high, it's like, okay, the problem is we have school. I can't let you go to school without shoes on. So what are we going to do? Like, you know, the clock is ticking. Mr. Clock says it's almost eight o'clock. Man, I wish we could stop the clock. I wish you didn't have to wear shoes today at school, but we have to wear shoes. So what are we going to do? Are we going to, are you going to help me put your shoes on here or should we put them on in the car? Or should we pick these shoes or these shoes? Or something that just feels a lot more like you're not the bad guy. There's a bad guy we're both mad at and I'm on your team. I totally get it. And we're over here trying to figure out this problem that's like this third party. And Once you label the problem is, then you can kind of externalize that conflict and that power struggle from being it's me versus you to it's me and you versus the problem. And that's what resonates with strong-willed kids is being able to see what's actually going on and taking the emotions out of it and just making it much more like, do you have any ideas? Because a lot of times when you give them a choice, they pick you know, if you give them A and B, they're going to pick C. That's not a problem. That's, that's them engaging their own critical thinking skills and being able to practice how they would handle something without you there. So encourage that, encourage their ownership of kind of like, how are we going to figure this out? What do you think? Do you have any ideas? And then being able to figure it out together while also still validating and their emotions. Like it's okay to feel that way. Totally fine. And also you're still wearing shoes to school. So like, what are we going to do? <laughs>
0: Yeah, That's good. Yeah. You can, you can not want to put the shoes on, but you're still going to yep. have to put the shoes on yep. because this that's not life. negotiable, it's, but there's a lot right. to
1: negotiate in between of like how the shoes getting on or what shoes yeah. they are or the timing of it. Like all of that is negotiable. So let's lean into that.
0: Yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. Great. And I also like how you put there at the end, like you give them two choices and if they make a third one, don't get mad at it. Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot mm-hmm. where you're like, that wasn't what I laid out. And yes. so, almost as a parent, you think like, "Am I giving in? Am I right. am I getting walked over if they come up with this third option that yep. wasn't one of the choices I gave you?" You know. So sometimes I think it can be a little like, not like "How dare you," but just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that wasn't an option." You know. Yes. Either like you are like, "Dang, my kid's really smart,"
3: <laughs> <have> they <to> figure <laughs> that out,
0: or like, "Oh, I feel like I am being manipulated." But I think if we just step back and say, "Wow, that was really clever." And mm-hmm. good on you. And yeah, you know what? It solves our problem. So yes,
1: it, it's if know, it's still a win-win for both of us. If you're wearing shoes by the time you walk into yeah. school, then win-win. Yeah, yeah. that's great. that's great. Yeah.
0: So thank you for pointing that out. That's good. Yeah. And again, it's like that same thing you were talking about at the earlier where I have point A, you have point B. We got to come up with point C together. So. Mm -hmm. Just taking that example that we can work with our partners on and we can use it with our children and we can use it with other relationships we have. So, well, this has been so much fun and I think that's a wonderful place to end. Um, Super helpful, very tactical, really gives us some things to work with and for people that have you know, strong-willed children, they have a really good resource in you. So tell us where we can find you so people can uh, reach out if they need to.
1: Yeah, I would love that. So wherever you're listening to this, you can find my podcast too. failing motherhood. It's all the places. And I interview experts that also resonate with that feeling of of, of, screw up my kids. I have a temper. I'm not doing everything perfect. And uh, you know, how do we feel like we are still the parent that our kids need? So that's what failing motherhood is all about. Um, Go find us there. But then uh, the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. Instagram. That's where I am the most. I'm at parent underscore wholeheartedly. And, you know, give me a follow, send me a DM and say hi that you found me through this podcast. I would love to hear that and connect with you over minimalism too. I, I had been doing some declutter sessions with my clients locally in person as like an add-on to the parenting coaching to tackle the toys in the playroom and stop doing that because of COVID. And, you know, I'm really focused on kind of just my one-on-one and my group at this point, but I'm always ready to geek out and talk toys and books and all the things. So um, say hi and talk about that. And then my website is parentingwholeheartedly.com. I have a calm, big emotions guide all about mm-hmm. tantrums and meltdowns in early childhood that you can download. I also have a um, patience makeover. That's a free guide about how to have more patients. If that's something that your goal is right now as a parent, you can download that and a a masterclass as well. So I have all sorts of free resources you can dive into right away. Fantastic. Well, we will make sure
0: that we have links to all of that on the show notes. So if you are listening to this and you don't have a way to jot that all down, just make sure you check out the show notes and all of that will be there. Um, So one of my favorite ways to end every episode is to have three rapid fire questions. So um, this first one is right up your alley. So what does minimalism mean to you?
1: It means prioritizing what matters most.
0: Yes. So good.
2: Definitely.
0: I'm on board (laughs) and then, um, number two, what is one of your favorite pieces of advice that maybe you didn't get to share today that you would like to make sure our listeners know?
1: Yeah. I always make the point when I am given the opportunity that your mental health as a parent is what all of the strategies are based upon. So it's like the bottom of the pyramid that you're trying to build and you can't throw a bandaid on the top of it without addressing the foundation, which is you and your ability. To do the things and be a parent so prioritizing your mental health um, taking care of yourself is non-negotiable and if you need support you need to ask for help and that is has nothing to do with your identity or your worth or anything like that it is the best investment that you can give your child is genuinely your own uh, sanity and well-being so those that your sanity makes all the strategies possible if you are not sleeping then don't expect of yourself to remember the thing you saw on Instagram yesterday. It's not accessible until you have your full capacity ready to be able to tackle the day. So that's always the always the first place I start with um, my clients in, in the first week of kind of my group program is making sure that you address that and keep promises to yourself so that you can then grow and grow with your child.
0: Oh well, that's amazing. Thank you. Great pieces <laughs> mm-hmm. of advice. And then the last one, a little bit lighter.
1: What is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? Like I said before, I thrive off the of sunshine. So <laughs> being summer, and you know, having this deck, we just got a new, um, new to us uh, consigned table and chairs for our deck. And I had been using the coffee table. No, it was a fold up table, like card table that came with the rental house. And I'd been using that for the last two years that we were here, finally donated it because it was always always pool with water Mm -hmm. and it was getting real gross. It's not meant to be outside. So we finally got an actual like glass table that I still found off Facebook marketplace for $35. I was always going to share a score. Um, so that is making me really happy when I can sit out there and use my laptop or drink my coffee out there in the mornings and read um, fiction for pleasure. Like in the last year, I finally discovered that like my best way to recharge is to read something that is just for me. That's not even like a you know self-help book. It's just for fun. And that feels like just a luxury. So I love getting to do that.
0: Oh, so nice! I get a little wrapped up when I read fiction, so mm-hmm. I have to be very careful
1: because <laughs> I'm the person that would like stay up till three in the morning finishing the book because yes. I just can't put books. It's down. a problem. So I, I did that careful. on Friday morning. I had a lot to do, and my kids were home, and I just read. <laughs>
0: I had to finish the book. Yeah. So that's awesome. Oh, I love it. I can get wrapped up in a good fiction for sure. So yeah, Danielle, this has been so much fun. I really have enjoyed this conversation and I just, um, I know it's going to help a lot of people out there. So just thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Really appreciate it. Of
1: course. Yeah. And I'm excited to have you over on failing motherhood as well. Yeah,
0: me too. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Reverse it. I love it. So we'll make sure we let everyone know about that too. So, all right. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. It was good, right? I know we went on a little journey together and you got to hear the beginning of a budding friendship, but I was blown away by a few of the things Danielle discussed today. I love how she gave us a fresh perspective on toys and how to look at the flashy ones that we all get enamored with. So we don't need to beat ourselves up when that happens. And just because it looks fun in the moment, well, we need to remember that it might not be the best for our long-term goals that we have for our children. Again, we're the parents, we're in the driver's seat, and we want to give our children uh, that leeway just like we did with that that pooping toy. Oh my gosh, that silly poopy toy. Um, You know, it's okay to have items that are for the current season that are going to live with you for the moment before drifting out of your life, right? Again, that pooping toy, we had a lovely laugh about that. Those are lessons learned, right? But then it's also good for us to have that long-term strategy, to think about those long-term goals in ways we know that our children will benefit over the long-term so that it's not all of this bright flashing and um, just kind of for the moment instant gratification stuff. All right, so now it is your turn. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and if you had any big takeaways. Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist family group on Facebook and share. Sharing what you've learned will help you retain it. And plus, you might say it in a way that resonates with someone else. And it's a little different than what they heard. and it might be just what they need to hear today. So let's build each other up and encourage each other on our journeys. And if you join in that group, you're going to jump in right into the middle of our 515 decluttering challenge. We're doing a 15 minute declutters every day for five days, and I'm hopping in going live at 515 p.m. Pacific every single day, Tuesday through Saturday this week. So as this airs, we're going to be right in the middle of that. So if you come over today, you can jump on in and join us for the last few days of it. And a thanks again to Danielle for joining us on the show today and for sharing some amazing advice. Remember, she has some awesome free resources available to you. So head on over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 117. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 117 to get your copy of those guides and to find out more about Danielle. And as always, thank you for joining me too. If you made it this far, I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. Your reviews make my day. It helps me be able to book more guests like this on the show for you to discover and learn from. And with that, I hope you have a fabulous day and I will see you back here next week when I will be chatting with Petrina Dixon about our finances. She is an award-winning author and international speaker and we will be discussing spending and saving behaviors and how they can guide us toward financial independence. I know it's a tough topic, but it's super fun, and I really enjoyed chatting with her. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show. Cheers.
4: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.